course, really tough following what has already happened here this evening. Uh, I'd like to ask you if you would give a, just a round of applause to the band for their willingness to be here on Christmas Eve and lead us. Also, I want to say thank you to Beth Poole, who put together that children's uh, uh, program. We, she's done a phenomenal job, and she's been working as a volunteer for a long time on that. So thank you so much, Beth. We appreciate you as well. This will, uh, this will date me, but uh, long before Hallmark Christmas movies, uh, before National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, uh, before Elf, uh, I grew up learning about Christmas from those classic animated and claymation shows, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and uh, Frosty the Snowman and uh, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, The Little Drummer Boy, and I think the one that does the best job of actually saying something about Jesus' birth, uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas special. Now, if it's been a while since you've seen it, or if you have never seen a Charlie Brown Christmas special, Charlie Brown is depressed, despite the fact that it's the onset of the holiday season. He seeks psychiatric help. Lucy, his friend, suggests that he direct a neighborhood Christmas play, but his best efforts are mocked by his peers. He grows frustrated by their meanness and their lack of appreciation for the real Christmas spirit. And when his friends ridicule him for his puny Christmas tree selection, uh, he asks, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Charlie Brown's buddy Linus steps into the spotlight at this point to tell the story. And he recites from memory, some of you may remember this, he recites from memory the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke. But while he's telling the story, the animators uh, included something so subtle that I'll bet you never noticed it. In fact, uh, I hadn't noticed it until someone pointed it out to me. As Linus speaks the line, as he speaks the line, fear not, he releases his grip on his security blanket and it falls to the floor. Have you ever noticed that? Did you ever notice that? For Linus, that, that's a big deal. I mean, that, that security blanket is a big deal. Uh, he can't go anywhere without it. It's his comfort. It's something tangible that he, can, uh, that he can hold and take with him wherever he goes. He's just a little kid. And that blanket symbolizes something that he reaches for to give him comfort uh, when he's afraid. But as he announces the birth of Jesus, he realizes he can let it, he can just let it go. I don't know if you realize this, but some psychologists tell us that there are uh, four basic kinds of fear. Uh, One is the fear of loss. We fear that we'll lose someone close to us, or maybe we fear that we'll lose an ability we have, losing a job, losing our possessions. Second is the fear of failure. I mean, what if I I start a business and it fails? What if I put myself uh, out there and my efforts flop and I get more disappointed than if I'd never tried? What if my What if my kids don't get turned around, you know? Another one is the fear of rejection. People would never like me if they really knew me, if they knew what I really thought, or if they knew what I did in my past, they'd reject me for it. Fear of rejection. Then the fourth is fear of the unknown. What if? Like, what if the economy gets worse? What if there's a disaster? What if I get an awful disease? Fear. Fear is such a, in fact, fear is such a big factor in our lives that the 20th century philosopher Bertrand Russell 
believed that Christianity was nothing more than a, a human religion developed to assuage our fears. Let me just read to you something that he, that he wrote in an essay entitled, Why I Am Not a Christian. He says, religion is based, I think, primarily and mainly upon fear. It is partly the terror of the unknown and partly, as I have said, the wish to feel that you have a kind of elder brother who will stand by you in all your troubles and disputes. Fear is the basis of the whole thing. Fear of the mysterious, fear of defeat, fear of death. See, that's what, that's what he's saying, that that's all Christianity is. It's, it's, just a, it's just a human religion developed to assuage our fear. Well, it's Christmas Eve, and I know you didn't brave the cold this afternoon for a philosophy lecture, so I'll just kind of cut to the chase here. In defense of Bertrand Russell, I would say that there are a lot of passages in the source book for Christianity, the Bible, that do speak to the issue of fear. In fact, so many passages that I wouldn't even have time to go through them all and get you home at a reasonable time. But in response to Bertrand Russell, I would argue that what he describes when he says that, remember that line, he said, he said that we wish to feel that we have an elder brother who will stand by us in all our troubles and disputes. I'd say another word for that wish, uh, what he's describing there is, is hope. Hope. And I would ask him, how do you account for the human longing for hope if there's nothing more to reality than what we see and touch and hear. C.S. Lewis made this uh, point uh, in his book, Mere Christianity, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that if we have a desire for something, if we have a longing for something, satisfaction for that desire must exist. In other words, like we feel thirst, water exists to satisfy the longing, right? Uh, we feel hunger, well, there's food to satisfy it. How would one explain the longing for hope if there were no God to satisfy that longing? See, it can only be explained by the presence of a very real God. Hope is the, it's the longing that despite our worst fears, that at the center of reality there really is goodness. It's the longing that despite how it appears at times, there is someone who transcends nature, someone who is good and powerful, and who is in control despite the apparent chaos of the world around us. Hope is the longing that life is not just about the survival of the fittest, but that each human life, even those who are not the fittest, even the marginalized of society, even the unimportant, even the oppressed, even the poor, even the homeless. See, hope is the it's the longing that every life, regardless of race or education or socioeconomic level, fame, obscurity, that every life is infused with meaning and dignity and value. That's what hope says. Hope is the longing that justice really matters. It's not just something that we talk about. And that one day every injustice will be righted and that human suffering will be eradicated. That's what hope is. Hope is the longing that I don't have to fear that nature will eventually just consume me, but that there is life beyond the grave. How could you explain the existence of such hope if there were no God to give that longing for hope to us? Someone wants, they kind of put all of what I just said together and they defined hope in this way. 
Hope is a steely confidence that God is in this story and he is up to something good even though the situation may well be terrible. Bertrand Russell is right that Christianity does speak to human fear, but it is not primarily about fear. And it is primarily, Christianity is primarily about hope. We are hope-shaped creatures. And when the Bible speaks to fear, it does so by reminding us that God exists and that he loved humanity so much that he came to earth to rescue his creation. I said a minute ago, I don't have time to go through all of the times that the Bible speaks about fear and get you home at a reasonable time, but I changed my mind. I'm going to go ahead and go through all of those times. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but let me, I do want to just take three times, three times real quickly, that it speaks to fear in the gospel writer Luke's narratives surrounding Jesus' birth and how uh, the Bible always offers hope as the alternative to fear. Uh, the first is when the angel Gabriel appears to the priest Zechariah and tells him that despite their advanced age, he and his wife Elizabeth are going to have a son. Here it is. Let me just read it to you. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, that's Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. So Zechariah's prayer itself is an act of hope. Do you understand that? Prayer is itself an act of hope that reality is more than simply what we can see, see feel, touch, and hear. And yet, even though Zechariah was a priest of God, he was still shocked when heaven broke into time and space and appeared to him in the form of an angel. Notice that the angel speaks to his fear by saying, Zechariah, your prayer has been answered. There is a God, Zechariah, who heard your hopeful prayer, who is able to give a couple of old people a child. There is a God who has a plan for this spinning orb upon which we live. There is a God who even has a plan for the suffering, Zechariah, that you and your wife have lived with all these years, wanting a child, but couldn't have. Fear not. Zechariah. Why? Well, because there's hope. There's hope. Second occasion that fear comes up in Luke's narrative surrounding the birth of Christ is when the angel speaks to Mary. Here that is. Uh, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Uh, he will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And there it is again, you see, fear combated by hope. Mary, there is a good and gracious God who's going to break into reality in the most miraculous way imaginable. A God who transcends nature, who out of his goodness, out of his favor is sending a king who will one day set everything on earth right and his good kingdom will never end and you, Mary, will be the one who gives birth to him. Fear not, Mary. <laughs> 
There is hope. There is hope. Third time that fear shows up in Luke's account of the birth narratives is when the angels appear to the shepherds. And watch how this goes. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, there it is again, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I don't know. Did you hear the hope that is just brimming over in this passage? Don't be afraid, the angel says. Fear not. I bring you, what did he say? I bring you good news. And this good news will bring great what? Joy for who? All people, not just Jewish people, but all races and ethnicities everywhere throughout human history and on earth. And then he says, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Good news, joy for all races and ethnicities, peace, his favor. The idea that there is a transcendent God who is good and gracious and joyful and who gives peace. See, that's what Christianity is about. It's about hope. And it is always through hope that God addresses human fear. And at its core, the message of Christmas is that despite your fears, despite what you see around you, despair and meaninglessness, that those things do not and will not prevail. See, that's the message of Christmas, that, that this world is even more majestic than we imagine. And that humanity is, after all, God's greatest creation. So great, in fact, so infused with dignity that God has come to earth in the form of a human being, a child, who will one day die on a cross to rescue us from our sins, be raised from the dead, and one day will set everything right. Fear not. Fear not, there is a good God who transcends reality, whom you can trust. And so you too, like Linus, can lay down uh, your security blankets. And I would just ask you this Christmas, what fears do you need to lay down? Maybe they're deep personal fears about your health or your family or your safety your future. Maybe there are fears about how other, how other people are going to feel if you do something that you really want to do, but that they don't want you to do. Maybe you fear for our nation. Maybe you fear for the most vulnerable people among us. See, the thing is, you can only carry a security blanket when you don't understand the hope of Christ. Your security blanket becomes it becomes your hope. And people cling to their security blankets at all costs. If my security blanket is money, I will hoard it. If you believe that your only security over the, meaning, the meaninglessness of life is your beauty, you'll obsess over it. You'll worry over it. You'll be anxious about losing it. 
If you believe that your only security is never failing at anything, you will be pathologically competitive or pathologically indecisive. If you believe that your only security is the control that you exert over your life, you will be pathologically controlling toward everyone in your life. And if you believe that your only security is your race, you will be a hateful racist toward whole groups of people. Christ commanded his people to be the light of the world, the the hope of the world, but it's impossible to be the hope of the world when we are consumed with and ruled by fear. What fears do you need to lay down this, this Christmas? What security blankets are you clinging to out of fear? Because when the angels proclaim, fear not, God is saying to us through them that we don't need to allow our our view of the world to be defined by fear and we can't allow fear to keep us from loving our neighbor and following Jesus' command to love our enemies. We can't allow fear to keep us from from pursuing justice for all. We can't allow fear to divide us. We can't afford to allow fear to keep us from the good news, lying in a manger. Everywhere you look, there's a narrative of fear these days, isn't there? Politicians play on it. Advertisers play on it. Our critics play on it, especially your self-critic. But the gospel story is not a narrative of fear. It is a narrative of hope breaking in to a fear-filled world. The story of Christmas has always been about one thing. God is with us. You shall call him Emmanuel, which means that God is broken through and that he is with us. And Linus has it exactly right. This is what Christmas is all about. This amazing news of great joy, this magnificent story of hope and incarnation points to the one that we choose to follow as if to scream, Over here, over here, this is the way. Follow him. He'll lead you to peace and life. Lay down your fears. Lay down your despair and emptiness. There is hope. And that hope is in Christ. And he will show you the perfect love that casts out all fear. What are your fears tonight? And what are the security blankets that you're holding on to? Perhaps this Christmas... A great gift that you could give the Lord Jesus Christ is the gift of your security blanket so that you trust him instead of the security blanket. Just bow your heads with me for prayer. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you and worship you this afternoon. Uh, for doing the miraculous, for doing the unimaginable, to come and rescue your creation. Lord, if there are people here tonight that maybe have never understood what you have done for us as human beings, that, that you came to earth to die on a cross for our sins, and that one day that you will set everything right in the world, bringing with you justice, the justice that we all long for, Perhaps you don't understand the hope that is in Christianity and 
the peace, the good news, the joy that all comes with this news that Christ was born. Maybe tonight, for the first time in their lives, something would penetrate the callousness, perhaps, of their hearts, or perhaps the familiarity they have with the Christmas story that obscures, that obscures the real hope that is in it. Pray that you would speak to hearts tonight. And we thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your love. And it is in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.